This is a Socialist News and Views special interview. I'm Nick Schillingford coming to you from the Urban Cabin Studios in South Minneapolis with this special interview. Uh, we're going to keep this short. Um, it's been a long week for both of us, and it's only Tuesday when we're recording this, I think. Uh, so on Socialist News and Views, we let folks introduce themselves. Do you want to just quick tell us about yourself? Great. Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is David Akos. I use they, them pronouns. I'm a non-binary person working in community organizing in Eastside St. Paul. I live in Westside St. Paul. I'm a really strong advocate of renter justice and renters' rights. I'd say the human right to housing and starting to treat economic rights as human rights is really my personal wedge issue, though that's not really what I came here to talk about, but it's important context. Uh, I, you know, I'm really proud to have supported St. Paul's rent stabilization campaign. I've been doing some work to try and restore that. And, you know, longtime socialists, I have pretty uh, anti-authoritarian kind of, I describe myself as anarchist leaning, because I think we should be creating socialism using the state apparatus, but with the end goal to eliminate hierarchy and eliminate states. Um, so that's kind of kind of a basics of, of where I came from. And I'm... You know, I'm a writer in my free time and I organizing, like you said, is a long week. Organizing is one of those things that is like, it's so worthwhile and it can be really rewarding, but the pay is not good. And the, you know, the hours can get real long. So uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm proud of what I do, but it's, it's definitely been one of those weeks since June is just crazy. Absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, I've been in the job search and stuff a little bit now, and I'm trying to just finalize and get a few things together. And yeah, it, it never goes, you know, the way you want it to or the speed you want it to. And it's there's yeah. always more hurdles than you expect to get everything sorted out. Um, you know, I just Absolutely. wanted to start from what kind of got us connected, which was on the left bank, uh, the website yeah. where it says uh, that it's, quote, a creative writing and art zine produced and distributed by TCDSA. That's Twin Cities DSA, yeah. Democratic Socialists of America, members and supported by TCDSA. And we publish yeah. short prose, poetry, and visual art quarterly, end quote. Do you want to just speak about how that zine came about and, you know, why you thought it was important to create and just kind of like, you know, what your goal or vision thoughts Absolutely. was from that? Yeah. So this is kind of a fun, uh, a fun story. I've been a member of, of DSA for a while and. I like that it's a big tent socialist group where I can meet a lot of other socialists with a wide variety of perspectives. But so I was, I was spending a lot of time. I was one of the organizing committee members for the St. Paul branch back in, uh, 2022. Um, and you know, the St. Paul branch is a small sub branch and TCDSA has a bunch of different sub branches so that we can, you know, people basically work on the things they they're interested in because it's all volunteers and, the big tent, there's a lot of different projects that go on. And I had been bringing up to people, well, actually, I'll go back a little further. I was writing some like utopian socialist fiction. It was like, um, and I was submitting it to some sci-fi magazines and I was getting it rejected 
And that's, you know, I think it's more a factor of my writing wasn't super great than the political views, but I was like, gosh, I'm not going to, how am I going to get better if I'm not going to be getting feedback from these magazines or that kind of thing? And then I'm not getting these ideas out there. Like, you know, that's, that's no good. Uh, that's the whole point. I'm writing it right. Right. Um, and so I started bringing up in my St. Paul branch meetings with DSA, hey, y'all, what do you think about doing a little like literature and art team where we just do creative writing, you know, with socialist values, leftist values, anarchist and communist values, and, you know, try and just get some art out there. And I, uh, it says in that blurb, right, that, you know, struggle and art have always been interconnected. And I really firmly believe that's true. And I think as an organizer, storytelling, I think, is core to building a better future. Um, that's especially like, you know, thinking of housing as a human right. So there's this story most Americans have bought into that, you know, nobody deserves food or housing or health care. And these basic needs, if we provide them for each other, then, you know, quote unquote, lazy people are stealing from all the hardworking people. But right. in reality, you know, yeah, there are people who have been stealing from all the hardworking people. But those are those are the people at the very top, and they're the ones who should be paying for these resources anyway, because all us hardworking people, every single American is the one who creates all that wealth, you know. I mean, and that's that's really basic socialist thinking, right? But but the stories, the story there's so many stories that I think need to be told about how much better things could look, how many, you know, how many options are out there that I guess going back to the idea of um you know, sort of Mark Fisher's idea of socialist realism, where there's, you know, there's this reality we accept that's created by capitalism that doesn't have very much bearing on what the material conditions we live in are. Right. So, so anyway, stories and art and ideas, I just, I think there's such a wonderful way to advance new ideas and, and new visions for the future. So I, you know, the ongoing theme for On the Left Bank has been hopeful socialist futures, though we publish all kinds of stuff. And it's and I want to mention as well, before we get further, it's not there's no requirement to be in DSA to be on the editorial board or to be a writer. We're cool. it's completely open submissions. You know, um, we just happen to get uh, printing costs all covered by DSA. And that's really, really quite nice. So it's also nice. the way to get one, one socialist board out there a little more. But it's we have a, uh, it's an independent, like, editors collective. We have four editors. Uh, you know, we try to run as egalitarian as possible, though I am the one who founded it. And I'm I'm talking a lot, but I'll just tell the story of founding it. Um, it's kind of interesting. I was, it was actually uh, exactly one year ago now. So this is kind of a cool anniversary. Wow, wow. Well, happy anniversary. Anniversary issue. Thank you. Our first anniversary issue will be the fifth issue. Uh, submission deadline is June 22nd, and it's a loose pride theme. So I encourage anyone to submit to leftbankmag at proton.me. Um, but yeah, so uh, a year ago, I had COVID, and I was sitting at home, and I was feeling guilty as hell that I couldn't be working. And, you know, that's such a that's such a capitalist bullshit thing. Right. The story that we get internalized. Right. And so I wrote, I wrote a poem called hedonist and then another poem called lazy where I was just kind of like, kind of in a woozy state thinking about my values. 
and and I kind of liked them. And I said, you know what, this is this is an okay start for the zine I've been talking about. And my DSA comrades had been saying, well, David, I, I like that idea of the zine. It, it sounds like a good idea, but it also sounds like work. So you you get it going, and we'll we'll buy in if you get it launched. And so I made this mini zine uh, with just four of my own poems, just uh, one that I'd written earlier that April and another older uh, older poem I wrote um, about environmental degradation when I had been really upset at the time. And I made this sure. mini zine and I uh, brought it to... I, I'm not sure if I brought it then to the steering committee um for uh Twin Cities DSA, but you know, we had a little discussion and they and they said they said, well, calculate how much it costs to print this and we can make this a sponsored DSA project. Sure. We figured out with the industrial printer it was only like 35 bucks for a 500 uh 500 print run. And well That's everybody's great. like, wow, this is pretty great for the social ecosystem in the Twin Cities. So let's get it going. And we've been trying to publish it every three months. And the second issue had, I think, nine different contributors, uh, visual art, uh, written art, prose. Um, third issue, we added a, another editor and more contributors, and it's just kept uh, kept growing. We haven't, we stick around eight to 10 contributors per issue so far, because uh, we're, it's about 20 pages for the current half page zine format. But it's kept getting more sophisticated, and I'm I'm really proud to have it have it going. I think it's a really cool project. Yeah, well, I really appreciate you talking with it, uh, talking about the zine. I want to talk a little bit more about that, but I just wanted to touch on something you had mentioned in the beginning, uh, just about uh, the activism and the organizing political work that you're doing, um, and specifically, you had mentioned about the uh the rent control and housing justice and all this stuff do you want to just talk a little bit more about that activism and specifically yeah. i know it isn't your uh concept but um before we had talked and you had talked about the sun and moon spaces uh oh, as yeah. kind of part of that and i don't know if you want to just bring that into that discussion and then we'll talk a little bit more about the zine to to yeah, uh yeah no i'd love to love to talk a little about that so there's a local artist and activist who lives in Minneapolis and has a studio in Minneapolis called Ricardo Levens Morales. And I've, you know, pretty much anyone who's in the Twin Cities has probably seen his art. I think his art really reaches a national level. And it's and it's a lot of wonderful art, always radical um, and often around ideas around organizing. And he has he has both some philosophy and a uh, and a really wonderful zine called Tending the soil, lessons for organizing, and it's the zine is meant to teach at a like second grade level, so anyone can pick it up and learn basics of organizing. And I think a core, his, one of his core concepts that I think is so useful. And you can find this on YouTube. Uh, you can find him talking about it, and the zine uh, tending the soil is also free. The PDF on his website, six dollars to get a union printed copy, which I highly recommend. But the PDF's out there for free, and you know. The idea here, which I think is just is so valuable for anyone who's doing political activism, but especially socialists, especially people trying to challenge our system to think about, is the sun-moon spaces concept. Uh, the 
you know, it's, it's a really great way for grappling with how power is used in our society. And the idea is sun, the sun generates its own power. Sun spaces are, you know, natural power forming spaces like, you know, money is sun power, but people, organized people is sun power. And moon spaces, the moon is only reflective of outside power. The moon doesn't generate any of its own light. And so moon spaces are a really great way to think about, um, say, city hall or uh, union union contract negotiations or, uh, you know, Congress or uh, right. any of the, those stuff. These are These are all examples of spaces where decisions appear to be getting made. We get, we, we go to them and think we can change things by going and speaking in city hall. But in reality, there's no power generated there. Power from the outside acts on these spaces and most of the power acting on them, it, it's, it's who's organized. And, you know, sadly, the people who are organized are the capitalists. They've got right. money to throw at it. They've got staff to throw at it. Um, so we need to, organized to generate sun power and have people ready to go show up in the streets show up at city hall because people power is the only thing that really can compete with uh the money power of corporations and the interests that want to keep everything as is so it's really a great way to think about it is like yeah it can be useful to have a spokesperson at city hall or on city council but if you're not generating power outside of that, they're not going to be able to do what you need. And I think it's a really, you know, I I got to work with Senator Omar Fata, um, who's a socialist, um, socialist endorsed, DSA endorsed state senator. And, and he's done some really wonderful stuff this legislative session. But I was really proud to work with him on an Uber Lyft driver's bill that would have given some some really wonderful basic rights to um, Uber and Lyft drivers. Uh, you know, like a minimum rate for whenever they were on the job, uh, some um, protections for termination, because uh, Uber and Lyft do kind of impromptu terminations and never say why. Right. Um, can be really can be really challenging for people who that's the main livelihood from. And this, you know, I was really proud of my work on this bill, but uh, Governor Walls vetoed it. And, you know, that veto, I think, can be pretty directly tied to the regulatory capture by these by these businesses of our state government. And that's a really great example of like, well, a lot of people power might be able to overwhelm that. Right. But, you know, Tim Wall said, oh, this would make us the most expensive place for rideshare in the country. Well, yeah, but we'd also be <laughs> the only place where rideshare drivers get a living wage. So like, isn't right. that right. worth it, you know? Like, that's, yeah. Right. Which is expensive. Let's do it. Right. But yeah. Right. So, I mean, it looks like, you know, the, the, these decisions are getting made in this moon space, which is mm -hmm. this, you know, the, the halls of power at the state capital, but really, you know, what's kind of getting it pushed through on the, on our side, what even got it through in the first place was, you know, that power that had been built. I mean, I saw the drivers exactly. out there too, like, you know, constantly yes, like yes. raising the issue. And that was probably, that was just the end part of the organizing. There there was a lot of other yeah. organizing that went in there. Um, but then you have the other sun power <laughs> that's on the other side with the moneyed interests and the, the yeah, ability Uber to have organized to other people. The state. 
yeah, within the yeah. state and within other places to um, to oppose it. And so there's this kind of battle going yeah. on between those two sides. And unfortunately, like you also hinted at, the capitalists are out organizing us on a lot of things right, uh, right now. And we're getting closer and we're winning yeah. some things, but uh, we have still, unfortunately, have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Um, Uber and Lyft and then also Mayo Clinic are both examples where we've built a lot of sun power, like Minnesota Nurses Association. That's right. really sun power. That's that's great. But Uber and Lyft, Mayo Clinic, they still have more power. So they're forcing that decision in the moon right. space. Right. The nurses got screwed too. Yeah. Right. And I'm a so nurse. I was down there a few times. I'm not a me member of MNA anymore, but it, yeah, it was, it was very frustrating. Um, right. Yeah, yeah, we've got so, our work. So that's kind of that's a great example, and I and I do want to do quick shout out to the yeah. drivers. Like they, I'm blanking on the name of the head of that association. Phenomenal organizing, and I really hope that they will be able to pass a bill in Minneapolis that is just as good as the state one, even if it doesn't cover as many people. Right, and that's that's a good segue to my uh, my last piece to kind of bring it uh, full circle, um, which is I. Uh, I've started putting out a monthly Substack uh, newsletter, at least theoretically. Yeah. Whatever, I put it out like two or three times now. So you know, it's every time it's like, is this going to actually happen? Um, that's organizing, and um, the one I'm planning to put out this uh, coming uh, month, this this time, middle of June, is going to be on uh, focusing on internationalism and intersectionality. Mm. I think, and so I just wonder what your thoughts are on how specifically how writing and art can help to connect different types of struggles, but also kind of take connect struggles that are taking place in different places, you know? And of course, yeah. I, in reading the zine, that could be different places as in St. Paul and Minneapolis, or it could be different places like 1934 and 2023. Yeah. So what do you have any thoughts hmm. on that? Well, that's a great, oh my God. I actually, I have a lot of thoughts on that, actually. That's a great question because there's so much, I mean, I think, our focus on the zine primarily is trying to connect struggles that are going on right now as much as we can. And like, speaking of the renter organizing, I, I didn't even, I didn't talk that much about it, but there is issue two of the zine has one of my favorite pieces that we've published, which is by my friend, Benjamin Werner called, uh, I think it's just called rent stabilization. Sure. And it's almost taken straight from our door knocking experiences. And it is, it's a powerful piece. And I just, I loved getting a chance to, to push that out there. But then we also try to, you know, I try to make sure to recruit authors of color. I try to make sure to recruit queer authors and, and artists. And we've had a really good, you know, we've had a good mix of the last one had a lot of environmentalism stuff, but we had a really good piece on racism. You know, we, and it's, and it's meant to be fun. It's meant to be creative. So we're not doing much in the terms of nonfiction. But, you know, we've also had some struggles connected from really different times and places. Like uh, the last um, the last piece in issue four is uh, by Edward Sheehy, and it's called Empire Builder. And mm -hmm. it's, it is shorter than his original Empire Builder story. I'm, I wish we could have published the whole thing, but I'm really glad he cut it down so we could get a shortened version in the zine um but it, you know it's about it's about five pages which in a 20 page zine is uh well, is he, a, had, he had a copy of his original in a zine format a few copies too and i did pick yes. one up at the uh at the release event so 
Oh yeah, good, good. I got a chance to get both. There, versions. I didn't know you were at that event. I was very briefly there. Like I said, I was just, I was, that was another day where I was kind of like overwhelmed, sure, and sure. I was like, I just talked to one person I knew, and then I was like, okay, I, I was yeah. gonna talk to you briefly, but I was, you were like right in the middle of like a really good oh, conversation. Yeah. I, I was like, ah, I'm gonna, I I'm was gonna take off to everybody, <laughs> running, running public reading. Yeah, it's a lot, but yeah. So Edward um, is really a cool piece. It's connecting the empire builders construction and colonialism with both the exploitation of workers in the 18 like 1880s i want to say 1870s when that was first being built but also the layers of exploitation on top of it of the land being stolen the people being you know forced out with extensive violence and you know and native people being being cheated on mass with these mm -hmm. these awful treaties that either were really bad in the first place or if they had any elements that were good for the people who signed them then they those elements almost always were dropped or right. you know ignored and not followed through on and that's really i think it's a powerful i really like when we can tie in those historical battles or international battles i'm i'm focused pretty locally even though i actually studied international relations mm -hmm. but my study of international relations really I largely focused on human rights. I wanted to do international humanitarian work and then kind of realized, well, the human right that I want to work on is one most Americans and most of my neighbors don't really believe in, the basic right to housing. Hmm. So I sort of pivoted from that and I don't I don't have much internationalism going on right now. Though I did distribute some of the zines uh to some anarchist squats in Amsterdam when I got hey. to which was really fun. You gotta start somewhere. Uh, yeah, but I think like I I really love the way stories I mean, I've thought about republishing. We we've, we've talked about republishing lyrics from old worker songs and parodies. Though luckily, I mean, we've the zines have been filled up with art by local artists, which is great. So so even though I got some okay's from from people who hold, you know, the copyright, like Leon Rosselson wrote a wonderful piece, uh, The World Turned Upside Down about the diggers. Um, right. 1649 and i i wanted to publish that those lyrics leon rosselson is still alive said yeah go for it and then i didn't because we filled up the zine with local authors but i think you know so much of our history has been suppressed there have been worker struggles going on you know constantly for the past 200 years and i think the ones from the gilded age especially really relate to what's going on now so I I find I find like World War One and like protest songs that uh, that all of the soldiers would would write and sing mm. is like really compelling and interesting. I've been interested in that for years. But is there you know you can find connections to struggles all through history to what we're going through now. And you know the more stories, the more that gets shared, the more we make up for the gaps in our history education that you know we know the state's not going to share with us the battles that workers lost you know right i think a really great one everybody to know about is like grover cleveland shutting down the 1894 railroad strike like we had president biden shut down a railroad strike just six months ago you know he didn't send the national guard to shoot striking workers like grover cleveland did but it's it's still you know, Grover Cleveland set the precedent for the state to rush workers who are working for a better future. 
and we we need to we need to teach about that and we need to make sure that 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 default history is not the only story that gets told you know yeah well you know i mean biden didn't have to send uh, anybody in for that because you know if, i mean it didn't go any further not that i'm saying right. that necessarily and would happen but at some point i think it probably something would happen that would be uh, very uh much more restrictive uh, once you cross the you know barrier into actually building right. the power that you need you will see well, the mean, teeth come out on on yeah. state power more and more but i was going to say the you know there are already teeth there's already the threat of violence behind the legality of the strike like that right. in 1994 there wasn't there weren't all these laws controlling how strikes happen all of those benefit for the most part the people who want to stop the strikes and like so biden imposed a really crap deal right and in any in any just world the railroaders could still strike with a wildcat strike but they knew if they did it they all could be imprisoned and lose their jobs right so right. that's right you know there is a threat of violence even if he's not sending the national guard to shoot at them right absolutely well, I really appreciate you speaking with me. Is there anything else that you want to uh, share before you go? And then do you just want to repeat that uh, next deadline for that? Uh, yeah. For the uh, zine? No, I so appreciate your time, Nick. I'm I'm really glad you're doing this. I'm, it's really, really fun to get the word out there. I love, you know, the more ecosystem of socialist art and ideas uh, and, you know, that we have, the better. Um so yeah for submissions loose themes are hopeful socialist futures and for this particular issue pride um and that can be you know that can be glbt pride or you know you can spin that in other ways we're really we're pretty open to a wide variety of stuff um now for prose writing we ask no more than 700 words um but we are open to poetry short prose and visual art. Uh, we don't have any art for the cover yet. So if anyone wants to be on the cover, they're welcome to. Um, submissions can be sent to leftbankmag at proton.me. So that's L-E-F-T-B-A-N-K-M-A-G at proton.me. And uh, I'm really excited to hopefully see some submissions. I um, I guess one last thing we do, you know, this is a socialist zine. It doesn't really make any money. Um, so we do publish under Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License 4.0, which means the authors retain the license to their work, but others can copy it provided they give attribution and don't make money off of it. So the only person who has the right to make money off of it is the original author and creator. Um, but with that Creative Commons license, it can be replicated uh, by, you know, people anywhere in the in the world, which is really cool. I guess the last thing is we do have we have a formula to distribute donations back to authors, but I have not yet. I, I set up a bank account, and we have not yet set up a. We're hopefully going to set up an Act Blue through DS, TCDSA to be able to accept donations specifically for the Zine. And then sure. distribute them back out to authors and artists. That is a, you know, TBD, but fingers crossed by the time we're doing a launch event in a month for this latest zine, maybe we'll have that figured out and up, which would be wonderful. And you said that I am 
you said the date uh, for the submission. Oh, yes. The date for submissions is June 22nd is uh, the deadline for our current issue. We do rolling deadlines, so we'll uh, happily accept something for the next issue if you can't get it in by the 22nd. And, you know, 22nd isn't super hard if we have enough. If we have enough submissions, we'll cut it off there. If we're short on submissions, we may extend it. So, I mean, if you've got something you want to send in, send it in regardless of whether you're on the 22nd or not. But but please try for the 22nd to all you right. artists out there. All right. And I will include that information in the show notes, assuming I, you know, I, I will get this out on sometime on Thursday. Usually I'm already working on this, but it's been kind of a crazy week and a crazy weekend. So we will get it out Thursday. Go ahead. Yeah. Whatever else you got. I have one last plug. Yeah. Uh, so you can also, you can find the historical copies of the zine on the DSA blog under uh, on the left bank. Um all four copies are uh, published online. You also can find them at Cadence Records and Copy and Subtext Books and uh, on the St. Paul side, Cadence, Subtext, and uh, the new Black on Bookstore, Black Garnet Books on University. And in Minneapolis, we distribute at Hard, Hard Times, Mayday Books, um, Bone Shaker books and Cafetto. I'd like to add more distribution, but it's a lot of bringing zines back to all of these is a lot of volunteer time for the editors. So, um, right. you know, we also are always accepting new editors if anyone's interested. And my one final shout out, I also want to ask people to, if you're interested in my other work, I have a piece I'm very proud of called West Side Community Organization Shows Us What Organizing Can Do which is an observation of district councils and grassroots organizing in St. Paul with a special look at the West Side Community Organization. That's published on the DSA blog. And I also have uh, St. Paulites Agree Housing is a Human Right in MinPost from six months ago. I hope to publish another thing on housing coming into this election cycle. But, you know, if anyone's interested, go look those up. My name is David Akos and always happy to chat with other organizers. Thanks so much. And I think I have the uh, links to those already. So those links will be included in those show notes. And I really appreciate the chance to speak with you. Thanks, Nicholas. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> I look forward to hearing it uh, out online. All right. Take care. Take care. And that's our interview. Thanks for listening. Solidarity. This has been a Socialist News and Views special interview.